Welcome to the Lead Defend Podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now, here are your hosts. Hey, we're here with Lead Defend Podcast. This is Ryan Scantling. Brock's not with us today because he's actually doing sessions for Lead Defend. If you miss Lead Defend this year, we would love for you to come and be a part next year. Uh, Ryan, tell us, where does the name Ryan come from? Uh, it's, a, it's a Welsh word that means drainage ditch. <laughs> okay. And my last name means worker of the pits. So if you would like to call me drainage ditch, worker of the pits, PhD, I'm okay with that. That's okay. All right. So what? Your parents, were they kind of scrolling through the dictionary like, okay, we want something that means it, it drainage actu- It actually was both of my grandmother's maiden names, my, 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 my first and my middle name. Uh, so I have an unusual first, middle, and last name. And, uh, yeah, so one of them just happens to mean drainage ditch. All right, and, and you mentioned your Ph.D., and so your field is? Uh, systematic theology. Uh, my area of research interest is theological method. That's where I've done most of my writing in. And for folks who have zero idea what any of that means. Sure. It's the study of the Christian faith and basically how it is that we come to the theological conclusions that we have. How do we move from the Bible to our theology? Yeah, and you've written several books recently. When Doctrine Divides is one that I really loved, yeah. but you, you said you published one recently that I, I wasn't yeah, familiar with. Yeah, uh, it came out with B&H last year. It was called The Method of Christian Theology, a Basic Introduction. And again, it's just as simple as it sounds. It's how we move from the Bible to theology, what theology does for the local church, the right kind of heart that we should have in theology, the right kind of mindset we should have. And then I conclude with things like how to write a theological sermon, how to write a theological paper, that sort of thing. I wanted it to be extremely practical, making the connection between theology and disciple-making. That's awesome. And you've been serving at Williams Baptist University for just about a year, year and a half. And, yeah, uh, a year and that, a half, that's right. It was my alma mater. I graduated from there in 2005 and came back in 2020. But so. you still hold professorship at New Orleans, is that that's right? That's right, that's okay. right, that's right. So the seminary there in New Orleans. And so if you're a student looking for... Uh, whether it's college, university, or seminary. Uh, those would both be great places to, yeah. to kind of jump in and consider. Sure, sure. And so you just got done leading breakout sessions on deconstruction. Right. And deconstruction has been something that people have had to learn or at least hear a lot more about the last right. couple of years. Right. And so tell us, where did this whole deconstruction thing come from, and why is it, why is it so pervasive right now? Well, I, I would say a couple of things. First and foremost, if we're talking about someone stepping away from their faith or questioning their faith or reassessing what they believe, that's nothing really new. That's been happening since the time of Jesus himself sure. and even before, if you want to go they back to the They just haven't been Testament. doing it on Instagram Live. That's right. I mean, that's that's the relatively new part about it is is the fact that we, we, we go through this process online and in a very public sort of display. The word deconstruction is actually something we borrowed from French philosophy. It's a relatively new term. It first showed up in a book called On Grammatology in 1967, and it had absolutely nothing to do with questioning your faith, Hmm. though that's now the popular usage of it. We also have used the word deconstruction to replace the word demolition. Uh, Or or something that just falls apart. We just say, hey, this is deconstructed. My wife and I watch a lot of Food Network, and... And, What's and, your show? What's oh, your go-to? 
guys' grocery games or chopped or something no, like that. Okay, I mean, okay. or, or or beat Bobby Flight, whatever you know, whatever. So, it so is. does that mean that you do the grocery shopping? Like, like how do y'all split that up? I love to shop for groceries. Really, my wife hates, but I love to cook too. So, All right, I mean, so are like, you a Walmart guy, Harps? I don't know, kind of what your main squeeze for store I, is. I, uh, I, you know, Walmart's what's nearby. But oh, sure. know, if, if I have the opportunity to go to a you know a fancier grocery store like a Harps or go to a <laughs> go to a Kroger or something <laughs> I just, like I just that, love you're saying man harps that that's that's next level it's so. i will keep in mind i used to shop for groceries in new orleans so i'm, oh, that, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fair. bit more that's pretentious fair. than you know when it comes to food <laughs> stuff i'm a food snob so but anyway I, I brought up food network because you know one of the things that they sometimes do in these shows when their plan falls apart is they uh they, if they have a burger where the where the bun is burnt or or the pizza where the crust doesn't cook, they put all the ingredients on the plate and they say it's deconstructed sandwiches or it's mm, deconstructed pizza. Yeah. And again, this is a word that had a very technical meaning in French philosophy. Sure. But now we just use it to apply to anything that we think falls apart. Mm. And the faith happens to be one of those things where people are asking questions about the faith that they were raised in or asking questions about Christian subculture, whatever that might look like, deconstruction is sort of the new trend. And again, like you say, we want to post it on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok while it's happening. Well, and, and that's something that's been so interesting to me, that folks are more vocal maybe with their deconstruction stories than they have ever been with any other story. Their conversion stories. Yeah, it's, right. it's an attention getter for sure. It's a lot easier to do it when everyone else is doing it. And there's a hashtag too, that, because that's you're true. you're part of. You feel like you're part of something, and I think that's that's true of every single generation. They want to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And instead of thinking, I think in a healthy biblical way, which is, hey, we're all part of the kingdom of God. We mm. can live under the rulership and the kingship of Jesus, and and see that expressed in every area and arena of life. They've chosen this particular hashtag, whether it's empty the pews or exvangelical or postvangelical, whatever term you want to use. Yeah. Deconstructing our faith is is a way of critiquing our really our parents' culture, our parents' subculture. Wow, because that's that's the anticipation, right? It's hey, I inherited this faith or this right. this idea, this belief system from my parents, and I'm I'm leaving it. Right. At least that seems to be the common common factor. I think it's very common. Okay. Yeah. And so who is their audience, you think? Like, when they're writing these deconstruction videos, who are they putting it out there for? Uh, I really think they're they're speaking to other people that, that have similar life experiences. Mm. I mean, I, uh, what, I, what I've not seen is I've not seen, again, some of this is because we've been in the middle of a pandemic for so sure. long. I've not seen a lot of public gatherings of deconstructionists. Isn't that interesting? I've not yeah. seen I've not seen a lot of deconstruction groups. And I, by the way, I've actually been to what I would call an atheist church service. That's not what I'm seeing here. I'm mm. seeing people that that are really sort of isolated from the rest of the world, but in social media and these in these in these digital platforms, they find ways to connect to one another and to express shared feelings, shared experiences. And so I think that is, is really where, where, where most of the audience is for people who have similar life stories and sure. backgrounds. Now, most folks deconstructing don't just decide, I want to make a really popular YouTube video and put it out there. Like, there's some legitimate, true things going on in their heart and their mind. Like, is there dealing with faith issues? Yeah. And so what leads a person, uh, or, or what do you think is the common, the common framework by which a person's saying, this this is just not who I am. I think it I think it varies on the person and and as I as I talk about sometimes there's intellectual reasons. I mean sure. they might 
they might question the, the, the historicity of the Gospels or they might have you know, these intellectual problems or theoretical problems about evil and suffering in the world, you know, what, what we've seen from traditional atheism, from traditional, uh, you know, sorts of deconversion stories. But what I tend to find more than anything else in the contemporary climate, people have emotional and or social reasons for, yeah. for, for you know, uh, if not abandoning Christianity, redefining it in a way that, that conforms to their particular worldview. Mm. And so they might have seen and experienced toxic forms of Christianity sure. in the church. I mean, we've, there's a lot of talk right now about spiritual abuse and religious abuse. That was yeah. part of the Rise of and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's been you know, in the public life conversation. Uh, sometimes you see the blatant hypocrisy of professing Christians, yeah. like what we saw with the the scandal surrounding Ravi Zacharias, and you know somebody that I personally looked up to you sure. know, a few years ago, and 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 I've had a lot of trouble with that. Um, but then there are just real practical reasons, like you know they never really were tightly plugged into a local church. Yep, it might have been the faith that they grew up in, but their parents had them church some Sundays they never really knew their pastor they never had a an intimate connection with other people in the church and 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 they certainly weren't spending regular time in God's word yeah. praying and that sort of thing it was just something that was more on the sideline for them sure. so I'm not saying that's everybody's story I, I know people who from my own experience would have been just the opposite of what I've just described yeah but and in the same way as we, yeah, in the same way as like when you we call a group of people Christians, you're making a really broad generalization. Right. When when you say there's deconstructionists, we're make we have to make some sweeping generalizations. Yeah, I'm, I'm unfortunately. Those, yeah. And so uh, I wonder, how would you suggest Christians, uh, folks who believe solidly in the Lordship of Jesus and have submitted their life to Him, how would you say Christians respond to deconstructionists? Well. The, the, the driving thing that I'm going to ask people is, what is your ultimate locus of authority? Mm. What, what guides your decision-making on, yeah. on matters of faith and practice? Who's your boss, so to speak? And, um, and for, for, for Christians, ultimately, we're going to say, look, God is the authority, mm. and God has expressed himself through his written word, yeah. and, and, and I want to to the best of my ability to conform what scripture explicitly conform to what scripture actually sure. explicitly says and and to be under the lordship of Christ expressed through the biblical text but what i've seen of a lot of deconstructionists is hey uh, what i've always been taught in sunday school what i've been taught in church doesn't really line up with this new public belief that i've expressed in social media platforms mm-hmm. and uh, if if one of them has to go it's sure. going to be the traditional Christian belief that I have huh. because, because I, I feel very strongly about, about Christian sexual ethics being, being too, too, Absolutely. You know, too vindictive or, or, or too, too stiff. I, I, I feel very strongly about what I've seen in churches, and it tends to be really rooted in personal experience and emotions and that sort of thing. So, again, a, a, big, a big question I would ask is, what is going to be your ultimate authority, and that's going to dictate whether or not you're, you're practicing what I what I would call reformation, which I think is a good thing. Going yeah. back and questioning things that are going on in the church—is this really what the Bible tells us to be doing? Mm. It's a good and a healthy thing to be sure. doing and assessing that. But this sort of deconstruction fad just does the exact opposite. 
it's yeah. it's it's rooting it in feelings and, and experience. And so I mean, we say that, but what what feelings or what role do feelings and experiences have in faith? A tremendous and 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 significant role. But, but here's what I would say: we are not truncated people. Okay, we are not merely our feelings, we are not merely our intellect, and we're not merely our actions. Yeah, thank God for that. You know, if, 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 if our Christian faith is built entirely on what we do, that could easily lead to legalism. Mm. If, we, if, we, if we build our Christian faith entirely on our intellect and what we believe, it could lead to intellectual snobbery. Mm. And if you build your Christian faith completely around what you feel, when you have emotional highs you might you might feel great about christianity but when you have emotional lows you might abandon jesus the first chance you get wow and so because we're complex human beings i feel like the lordship of christ should pour into over into all those areas that's why jesus told us to love the lord our god with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our mind with all of our strength yeah because it covers every facet of what it means to be a human being and, um, and, and, and I don't want a purely intellectual Christianity. I don't want a purely practical Christianity or a purely emotional Christianity. All those things really and truly need to be together and in sync. So let's say there's, there's students, undoubtedly, who are going to listen to this, uh, high school, middle school, and college students, who say, you know, I, I have this familiar, familiarity with faith. I've been around it, maybe grown up in it. Yeah. But I don't know how I'm feeling about it right now. I'm right. doubting, perhaps, and there's something about the stories of these deconstructionists that I identify with. It's appealing. Yeah, and yeah. so, so what would be your word to them? Again, I, 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 would, I would start by saying, look, I don't follow Jesus because my parents follow Jesus, or only because my parents follow sure. Jesus. I mean, I had Christian parents, godly parents. My dad was a pastor. At some point along the way, I had to make the decision whether or not this faith that was my parents was going to be my faith yeah. to make it personal. I don't follow Jesus only because I see Christians acting well mm. or doing good. And I don't not follow Jesus because I see Christians acting poorly or hypocritically. At the end of the day, I want to follow Jesus because what's said about Jesus in Scripture is true. Wow. And, and if it's not true, then there are good reasons to reject it and sure. abandon it. So I, I think it's, it's of the utmost importance that we evaluate and assess the claims that Jesus makes about himself. Yeah. It is of the utmost importance that we weigh and assess the, the, the value of something like the resurrection of Jesus. Um, so, it, yes, there's the intellectual dimension. I would say that the Christian worldview, for me, um, makes more sense of reality as we experience it in this world than anything else. C.S. Lewis famously said, and I'm probably going to botch this quote, he said, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Mm. When he says the sun has risen, he's talking S-U-N, the sun in the sky. Sure. Not only because I see the sun, but by its light I see everything else. Mm. And so what that means is it's not only that I see the truthfulness of Christianity, but it's the truthfulness of Christianity that helps me make sense of everything else that's going on in the world. Yeah. It's the truth of Christianity that when I go through a news cycle, and, and this week it's the war in Ukraine, next week who knows what it's going to be about. Mm -hmm. 
there's always going to be something that I'm looking at this world and I'm seeing it's broken. It needs hope. It needs repair. And I keep on going back to the gospel. The gospel is what makes the most sense of reality. And, and ultimately, you know, Jesus is, I'm, I'm firmly convinced, worthy of my complete surrender yeah. and obedience. And, um, you know, I, I, I just read from a passage in the session earlier from John 6, and uh, it's the story of, of Jesus after he'd fed the multitudes, and he's giving this really hard teaching about being the bread of life. And there's a lot of people who are standing around asking questions, and Jesus recognizes this, this teaching's is, is confusing them. And they say very plainly, this teaching's hard. Who can yeah. understand it, you know? And, 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 and you know, he, he makes it very plain. It's not by the, it's not by the flesh you're going to figure these things out. It's by the Spirit. It's, it's those to whom God has given me. They're going to understand and see what I'm talking about. And then we see John 6, 66. Many of those who were following him no longer followed him. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Jesus looked and the 12 were still standing there. And, uh, and he said, you're not going to leave me too, are you? And Simon Peter's response was just great. He said, he said where else would we go? Mm. To whom else would we go? Because, Jesus, you have the words of hope. You have the words of life. And so I, I would just ask people who are thinking about deconstruction, first and foremost, are you seriously considering the claims of Jesus? Yeah. Are you focused on critiquing a cultural aspect of Christianity? Wow, that's a big distinction. And it's a key distinction for us to make. What does Jesus actually say about himself? What mm. are the claims that Jesus makes, and are they true? And 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 because your faith is not in a church, it's not in a group of people. Right, it, your faith is in it's in Christ. It, yeah, and and. And yes, I, I, I predict that in the 21st century, other Christian people who, who, who profess Christ anyway and who, who make a public spectacle of Jesus will disappoint you. That's wow. just my prediction yep. for the next I, 100 hey, years. It's, I, I, we'll I, see how that turns out. I'm betting for that to happen, okay? <laughs> but even if that happens, Jesus is the hope. Yeah. Not, not your favorite pastor, not your favorite teacher or Christian musician. It's Jesus that's the hope. So if after this, somebody, Ryan, says, gosh, you're my favorite teacher, and so I really want to learn more about what you're doing, how could they get connected to you beyond this conversation? Well, I mean, uh, obviously, I, my children appreciate it when you buy my books. Um, <laughs> so there's that option available on Amazon.com and wherever fine books are sold, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, man, I would love to have conversations with people at Williams or New Orleans Seminary. And, uh, and find me on Twitter. Uh, uh, the the at sign Ryan Putman R H Y N E P U T M A N or send me an email R Putman at WilliamsBU.edu. I'd love to have a conversation with you and uh, and and let's talk some more. That's awesome. I appreciate how you bring uh, how you give folks the opportunity to think deeper about these things that they just see on TikTok or Instagram. Right. Um, what is the last word that you would give to this next generation of students coming up, middle school, high school, college students? Uh, Gen Z is distinctly different from any generation, yeah. but not as different as from folks say. And so what's the word that you would, you would say to them as a last shot on the podcast? If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. Mm. But Christ has been raised from the dead. And uh, to quote Yaroslav Pelikan, who famously said this, he said, if Jesus Christ has not been risen, has not been raised from the dead, nothing else matters. Wow. 
if Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, nothing else matters. It all hangs on that. Wow. Well, this has been the Lead Defend Podcast. If you missed our 2022 Lead Defend Conference, we're excited for you to get back in the room in 2023. It's going to be an incredible experience and can't wait for it to happen. Thank you for being on with us. Thank you. Yeah, we, we can shake hands. We can do whatever. Nobody's going to watch the video. They're going to listen online. So, oh, hey, thank video. you guys so much. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.